Please forgive us for the idols we put in front of you, for the things that we put first. It's you we love. It's you we desire. It's you we want more of because of who you are, our all-powerful, unchanging, awesome, amazing God who created all things, who holds the world and the universe and everything, all of creation in the palm of his hand. night that hope fled. She looked on with horrified dread. The one thing that could get her out of bed would soon be dead. Picture this scene for Mary Magdalene. In this season, her life had a reason. I can imagine she fell to her knees and she pleaded and pleaded with God. Christ was who she needed for purpose to know that her life mattered, but his blood was splattered and she was left tattered and torn. What am I living for? Have you ever asked that? What is my purpose? Why am I here? What are the things that I hold dear? My job, my spouse, my kids, my car, my house, but those aren't a guarantee. At the snap of the fingers, they could be taken from me, so where would I be? Would my hope flee? Indeed, without Christ, I have no hope or purpose. The night that hope fled. For Peter, think about what he said. Fear got to his head, and although with Christ he had broken bread, instead he pled, I don't know that man. No, he denied. I wasn't with him, he cried. And as that rooster crows, Peter knows that he chose to make a vow he couldn't keep. And so alone he weeps. And the thought begins to creep. Is there forgiveness for me? Have you ever wondered if you're too far gone, too far from forgiveness, removed from restoration or reconciliation. Oh, the vexation. And I try to be patient, but I just want to make it, yet I can't seem to shake it. Stuck in my sin, stuck in my patterns. It's like one step forward and three steps backwards. The spirit is willing, but my flesh is so weak. And every time it seems like the flesh gets the victory, woe is me. Who will save me from this body of death? Am I too far gone? It seems like the answer is yes. Without Christ, I have no hope or forgiveness. The night that hope fled, Martha, on replay in her head are the words that Christ said, whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Was that a lie? 
when life himself is now dead. He was slaughtered and slain, and I'm saying that the pain of this loss is too much. When my time comes, am I just left to be bereft of being? I'm just not seeing any other way. I mean, to whom do I pray? To him who's in the grave? How could he have power to save? I thought I had all I would need. Faith the size of a mustard seed, yet now my hopes the size of a kernel. Is there really life eternal? It's a myth. It's a fable. And now I know God isn't able. I'll spend the rest of my days in futility and strife. Because without Christ, there is no hope for eternal life. heavy. It's heavy on Easter, isn't it? It was intended to be. It's very purposeful. If you were with us on Good Friday, you would have noticed that there was a tone that we wanted to marinate in for a while. A reminder of the hopelessness that existed when the Savior of the world, when God in the flesh came and died. And all of the thoughts, all of the intentions, all of the belief were now in question. And we exist in those places from time to time. And where will we go and what will we do? How will we move from those places and spaces as they come? And so we stand on Easter Sunday. And we're able to say things like, and I'm going to ask you to respond. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Because when the sun rose, the sun rose, and there was hope. And there was hope. We're going to focus in on this idea of living hope today. As we look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, we're going to be in, a, in several passages this morning. And uh, some of the passages will be up on the screen. Many will not be. And so I would encourage you, if you have your Bible, to go ahead and turn there in your Bible. I think it's always good to have our Bibles with us so we can highlight and underline. And you might get to, you know, come back and correct the pastor later when he misquotes something. Uh, you want to have the Bible in front of you. If you don't have your Bible in front of you, that's fine. You, you're sure welcome to use your mobile device. We would ask that, you know, you would remain in the scriptures and not doing other things on your mobile device, but that's great. We want to walk through some things together. And so we begin in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. In other words, we are not getting what we deserve. God is giving mercy. He has caused us to be born again. So this work of God is uh, resulted in a new life to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Our, this resurrection that we celebrate. 
I'm going to say it this way, that we celebrate every week we get together, but we especially proclaim it on Easter Sunday, is life-giving. It is for us to experience and to walk in. Maybe for you, Easter feels like something is completed, as if we've been invited into something and we get to join in. I especially think of that as I remember and reflect on my own baptism many years ago. It was kind of like this, in that the room inside was 70 degrees. Other than that, nothing else was the same. But we, on that day when I was baptized, I, I went in front of a group of people and I confessed what was already true that I had received Jesus as my Lord and Savior and that I wanted to follow him. I confessed to this church that I wasn't a perfect believer, but I knew who was perfect and I, and I needed his spirit to make it, to walk in this new way of life. And in that moment, the pastor baptized me and said something like this, dead to sin and death and alive in Christ. And I'll tell you, as I burst out of the water in that moment, I felt a hug from heaven in a way that I can't explain, but if you have gone through the waters of baptism, perhaps you know. It was a beautiful time. I was invited into something that started long ago that was ancient and worked itself through me and in me as I joined it. And perhaps that will be your story today as well. Would you join me as we pray? Lord, we love you, and we praise you. We thank you that you indeed are good, and we reflect on this reality that when the sun rose, the sun rose, and there was hope, and this is a living hope. It is a real hope. It is something that only can be offered by you and known by you because of you. And so in this place, at this time, in this moment, we are calling on you to do what we can't do, and that's to be born again to enter into the resurrected life, to walk in a way eternal that is good. We love you, Lord, and it's in Jesus Christ's precious and holy, holy, holy name we pray. Amen. Easter is a time as we gather, we certainly focus on the resurrected Christ, his life, what he has done, and even what he will do. But there are also stories around Jesus that we reflect on and remember. Sometimes we reflect on the mother of Jesus and we remember her at the cross and the incredible sacrifice that Jesus gave that was also impacting to his own mother who is at the cross watching her son die in front of her. Believing all of the things that had been held in her heart since he was young that the Messiah, the God in the flesh was here and yet he's dying on the cross. We remember Mary's agony, and, and sometimes we imagine what life would have been like for her after the resurrection, the joy that was given, how she went with John, who was her now adopted son, and the one who would be overlooking her, as church history tells us, she goes on into Ephesus with the church and watches the church grow, the church of her son. And we reflect on that. But maybe even more and more familiar to us, we remember the story of Peter. 
and how Simon Peter denied Christ three times and, and at the end even made eye contact with Jesus and remembered what Jesus had said, that, that moment where he realized uh, he wasn't enough, he couldn't be what God had called him to be, he couldn't be as his rabbi was, and he withdraws to the point that he identifies himself as a fisherman and not a disciple, but in, after the resurrection, after Jesus reveals himself uh, to over 500 people at once, Peter comes back and Jesus reinstitutes Peter to this discipleship life in a beautiful and in a powerful way by the sea. And those are great stories that we remember, things that we reflect on almost every, every Easter. But we want to take a little bit different look today. We're going to pull away and zoom out, and then we're going to zoom back in on a couple of stories. One of those will begin in Genesis, and the other one will be in the book of John. And so if you have your Bibles, you might want to get ready because we're going to be in both places real soon. So let's start in the garden. As God created the heavens and the earth and everything in them, this earth, this garden was teeming with life and it was beautiful. And God created man in his own image. He created them male and female. And in that place where he created them male and female, he put the first of them in the garden of Eden. And in the Garden of Eden, Adam gets a special assignment from God in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, the scripture records this. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Don't miss that. He's a gardener. That's that's his job. That's his intention. He's supposed to be working in the garden. He's supposed to be doing uh, this sort of work in the garden that joins the life that is already there and grows that life and works for the glory of God in that place as he names the animals and cares for them and cares for the garden. But something else happens. And we see that in Genesis chapter 3. And in Genesis chapter 3, we're introduced to another character, Eve. And as we see Eve and we see the work that she does in the garden, we can't help but to juxtapose it to other things that God does throughout the scriptures. Let's watch and see this. This is Genesis chapter 3. I'll start, uh, uh, I'll start in verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. So this is Satan incarnate. We know that this is the devil. He is present. He is there. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Let me, let me pause there. This has been Satan's trick from the very beginning. It's the first demonic principle, and this is what it is. Satan doesn't need you to believe what he believes. He just needs you to doubt the truth. And if he can get you to doubt the truth, he's halfway home. It's a part of his deceptive plan to bring the order that God has put in place out of order and put people on top where they think that they're God and not God. And we see this in this passage, starting in verse 2 now, continuing in verse 2. 
And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the, tree, of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. Okay, so she takes some creative liberty. That's not exactly what he said, but that's the idea. That's the heart behind it. And she understands it and repeats it back to the devil. Verse 4. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened. I'll stop there. What has happened? There is a garden and in that garden God has called Adam to be the gardener. And in that place, God has given some rules and directions. But in that place, Eve is tempted to do something different. Instead of walking in faith, she walks in fear. Instead of saying it's good to walk with God, instead she says, I I want to be like God. And places herself in the place of God. Consider what is happening. Eve's name means life. And in that place, in that garden that is teeming with life, she brings death. In that place that was meant for unity, where God and humankind is supposed to coexist, to walk together, to know one another, there is now separation. And that moment in the garden becomes a monument of death. We might call that monument of death a cemetery, a place that was initially intended for unity, has become a place of division and a place where death is celebrated. There is no gardener anymore because there is no garden. There is no union, just division. And we see that in the early chapters of Genesis chapter 3. But let's pause there. Let's consider something for a moment. Because perhaps you've been in similar positions. Well, not the Garden of Eden exactly. But you have thought something would bring life to you in a way that would be so fulfilling, so God-honoring, so wonderful. And perhaps it only brought death. Or it brought a great amount of pain. Perhaps it was a job that you had. Oh, if I just had this one job... All of my, all the answers to my questions would be there. It would be resolved, the problem solved, and the job comes. And it's not life that is extended, but rather death. Frustration and heartache and pain. Perhaps it happens in the form of family or relationships that if, if they would just get together, if we would just walk together, if we could be unified, if we could be good, but there's only division, there's only hurt, there's only pain. And what could have been life-giving has become life-draining or death. Or maybe it's health, that everything was going well, and then suddenly a trip to the doctor has challenged your understanding of your own health. And what was good is now bad. 
And you don't know what to do with that information. And that place that is supposed to give life is actually draining life from you. Maybe it's even in your marriage. If I could just marry this person. Oh, life will be great. It'll be wonderful. So fulfilled. And in that place, perhaps there were seasons where that was true. But other seasons where you realized you'd put this person in the place of God. Held in higher esteem. And they didn't give life. They extended death. And it was painful. And it hurt. And you walked in those spaces and in those places. But let me tell you, the story's not over. It's not over in Genesis' account. And it's not over in your life. Let's continue on and let's look at somebody who maybe we overlook often uh, on Easter. And her name is Mary. Mary, that's right, someone in the back. Mary, perhaps you saw her from The Chosen. Mary is a follower of Christ whose life was bitter. How do we know that her life was bitter? Well, one, that's what her name means, but also... We find from Luke chapter 8, verse 2, that she had seven demons in her. She was possessed by seven demons. Her life was dark. Her life was lacking. In fact, you could say that her life was defined by death in those days. But somehow, she has this interaction with the Savior, the one who came in the flesh, God in the flesh. And he casts out those demons. And she dedicates her life to follow him, to love him, to uh, walk where he goes. And she starts experiencing life in new and exciting ways. She sees things that, that we read about today and wonder. And she lived in those days, walking with Jesus. And then a day came where this God in the flesh, the one that she had given up to follow, is now on the cross in front of her. And perhaps she's feeling like her hope is drained. There's only hopelessness. Life is over. She's feeling like she's in a tomb as she experiences the death of the Savior. But when the sun rose, the sun rose, and there was hope. Jesus is dead and buried, but we're going to pick up the story in John chapter 20. In John chapter 20 is where we'll begin. We'll look at verse 1, and then we'll skip down to verse 11 and, and read through a passage as we consider Mary and her situation, getting freedom and following Christ, living in an abundant life. She is now in a place where her Savior is dead, and she's questioning if he even is the Savior because that Savior is supposed to have no end, and she's now at the tomb. Verse 1, John chapter 20. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. She runs from there to go tell the disciples what had happened. And there's an account of what follows. And then in verse 11, we pick back up with Mary. Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. 
They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And this is key. If you have a pen in your hand, feel free to underline this next statement because it's very important. Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Mary supposes him to be the gardener. As Adam in the garden couldn't be the gardener that God had called him to be, God shows up in the flesh where Adam and Eve create a dead space of a garden teeming with life, Jesus enters into a cemetery and brings life and becomes the gardener that Adam couldn't be. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brother's. And say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that he had said these things to her. Do you see Mary in this place? Whose life was bitter. Who is set free and transformed who goes into a cemetery that is separated for death, but life invades, and a monumental tomb becomes the symbol of life. This empty tomb is a reminder of this eternal life that has been extended to all who would enter in. Intended for separation for the dead, this cemetery becomes a welcoming for life. Their unity with God Where division existed, the man in the tomb is indeed God in the flesh. And he tended the garden that was destroyed and restored it. And the broken was made right. The disorder was brought to order. And so, here we stand, looking at the resurrection Wondering what of it? Well, without getting into all of the details, in fact, let me encourage you just real quick. If you haven't signed up for a skeptic's journey, I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, It'll be five weeks in April, starting on April 20th. Through it, Rick is going to uh, explain some things. He's going to identify some historical data. He's going to look at some internal evidence Uh, he's going to give you some facts to wrestle with. We can stand here today and say that the outside sources have identified there was indeed a historical Jesus. We recognize that the historical truths suggest that there was indeed a resurrection, and we know that the church grew from that place. There's internal evidence where Jesus appeared to over 500. The disciples even gave them their lives for this truth the truth in the resurrection. So what will we do? What will you do? Will you stay in a place of death saying, it's not supposed to be death. Surely it will start to give me life now. Only to be drained 
or will you make another decision and give up your life so that you can have life eternal? John chapter 6, verse 40 says it this way. For this is the will of my Father. You want to know God's will? Here it is. That everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life. And I will raise Him up on the last day. There is eternal life for all who would believe. But let me walk you through the ABCs just real quick. Accept. Accept the fact that you've missed the mark. That we've sinned. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Believe that Jesus was raised from the grave. That he is indeed the only Lord and Savior. And confess the truth. Say what God already knows to be true. By repenting of sin and following Jesus. We've been invited on an ancient journey. On a restoration that has occurred. And that we celebrate. Where the Garden of Eden was once destroyed has been brought back to life. And we're invited into in just a few moments, you're going to see a group of people making public declaration of their faith, saying that we're not perfect people, but there is a perfect God, and that we are dead to sin and death and alive in Christ. And over the course of the next few moments, as we prepare ourselves and prepare for this baptism, God may be stirring something in you. Today may be your day. And if it is, I want to encourage you to talk to Pastor Sam in the back. And a little bit later, Pastor Jason will be joining as well. Take a few moments and join us in the waters of baptism as we live out this garden life that has been restored. Let's pray. As the worship team comes, Lord, we love you and we need you. We ask that you would be exalted and that you would be lifted up. We know that when the sun rose, the sun rose, and there was hope. And that hope is living. And that hope is available. And that hope has been granted for all who would accept, believe, and confess. And we would yield to you now, Lord, for your good glory in Jesus' name. No hope for purpose. She was deep in the lurches, the greatest of agonies on her knees till she sees a man who was tending the weeds, but she doesn't perceive. She's about to receive the greatest gift in her time of need. Mary, says he, in amazement. She goes from self-abasement to praise and wants to stay, but without delay, she goes and relays this thing to the others. But for the rest of her days, she'll find ways to fulfill her purpose, to point to the king, to bring him all glory, to love and to live and to serve in his story. That's for me, that's for you. Our hope's been renewed. We've been imbued with a mission to make all things new. We have hope for purpose. We're called into service through our resurrected Savior. To know him and make him known is now our chief labor. That burden is light and that yoke gives us life.
We rejoice in the morning because Jesus sees us through the night. Now for Peter, I can think of no thing sweeter than that embrace from his Lord on the shore. It transformed him to his core. Forgiveness. In the face of epic failure, God's perfect love was yet greater. How did that story turn? Through his denial, the bridge was burned. The love was unearned. That's what we learned. That's what grace is, that he remains faithful even when we are faithless. I'm wholly dependent to be a holy descendant of the one who was reckoned to be righteous when he was beckoned and said yes and trusted by faith. This stain has been cleaned. I've been redeemed. And then he rose from the grave, conquering all my guilt and my sin, even death. My spirit is willing and my flesh remains weak, but his spirit is filling, so over sin I will speak victory. Yes, through the night hope fled, but by morning death was dead, and so hope came alive through the one who is life, living water, living faith, from the cradle to the grave, and now I'm living victory, living purpose, living fully, living holy, living praise for what he's done in me. Praise the one who set me free. He's my living hope. My God, my living hope. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Amen. Well, friends, we continue in our worship with communion today. We're remembering the living hope. If you have your, uh, what are these called? Communion elements. Communion elements. Well, I was thinking packet, but yes, they are communion elements. And the reason, the reason I draw attention to it quite that way is because uh, in the first service, there, there was some confusion with the packets. There is a clear tab and on that clear tab, if you kind of play with it, you'll find it. Uh, you can pull it back, and the bread is available under that clear tab. And then the silver tab, a little bit later, in just a few moments, uh, that's where the juice is available, and we'll, we'll participate in that as well. We remember what Jesus has done. The one who gave his life that we could have life, that we indeed have a living hope. Since the very beginning, the church has gathered together, participating in this hope, remembering what Christ has done and we could not. We participate together.
now. We remember what Jesus has done, the life that he has given, the blood that he has shed, and we participate together. Let's join the Lord. We do appreciate it if you can hold on to uh, your packet and take it with you as you leave a little bit later. Uh, that's super helpful for us, so thank you for that. Also, the ushers will be coming in just a few moments, and it's a great opportunity for us to continue in our worship through our tithes and offerings. This is a way that we are able to uh, reach out and help a variety of needs, a variety of ministries, some of which you saw uh, that are being offered. But even more so, our hope is to see that those who are dead in sin and death would be found alive in Christ. That we would be disciples who make disciples who make disciples. That's our hope. That's our desire. And so we do that by giving back to the Lord that which he's given to us. And so as the ushers come in just a moment, I would ask you to be in praying, that you would be praying for us as well. One that we would be good stewards of that which God has given us. Additionally, that as the offering comes by, that in a symbolic way, you would just say, Lord, I'm offering myself to you again. Again, as we worship during this time, uh, Sam and Jason are, uh, will be available in the back. If you're interested in being baptized today, there is still an opportunity, and we want to make that available to you. Would you join me as we pray? Lord, we love you and we praise you. We thank you that you are indeed good all the time. We thank you for the body that was broken and the blood that was shed, that we could have life. You are our living hope. And so be exalted, O oh Lord. Thank you for the restoration of the garden life that you have given us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, at this time we'll have our baptismal candidates coming out. And as, as they're coming out, there are a couple of things I want to remind us. One, that baptism is not salvation. So we do not believe that because we're baptized, we're saved. We're saying that we are saved or that we are saved prior to baptism. Oh, there you are. Come on down here, you guys. I'll let you line up right, right here beside me. And uh that, that we are saved prior to baptism, and then uh, we choose to follow the Lord in believer's baptism. So we practice what seemed to be the practice of the early church and certainly commanded to us in Scripture. So we follow through with believer's baptism. And that's what you'll see today. That's why we fully immerse uh, in water as a better picture of being dead to sin and death and alive in Christ. And so with that, what I'd like to do is just kind of go down the, the row, and I'm going to have you introduce yourself. Uh, I have a couple of questions for you as we go, and, uh, and then I'll have you kind of go to the end of the line as we scoot down, and then we're going to take a big picture, and you guys can all yell and make sure they smile and stuff. All right. Well, Mr. Soren, would you introduce yourself? Um, I'm Soren Howard, and I'm a senior here in the youth group at Friendship Church. A few people maybe have seen Soren around, uh, but God has done an amazing work in your life through the years. 
Uh, I know that you have received Jesus as your Savior. I've heard your testimony. Um, but maybe you could highlight a few things. One, when you became a believer. And then two, uh, why you're choosing to be baptized at this time. I don't remember when I became a believer. I've always kind of grown up in the church. Um, I was doing all the classic, you know, church guy stuff going. Um, and I was I grew up in um, going through all the youth group stuff and um, going to a, all the retreats. Um, so I don't remember when that happened, but um, I remember that when my faith became my own was about seventh grade, going to um, fall retreat, uh, retreat camp here, um, and it just that's when I really felt. Um, felt God in my life. That was the first time I really felt like the faith was my own. Mm. So, um, and I'm choosing to get baptized now just because um, I've, I've always, it's been a long time coming yeah. for this, um, but it was, I, I never felt it, I was quite ready. I never felt like it was the perfect time. And I, I then I felt like I needed to take the steps of obedience rather than waiting for the perfect time. And um, it, it just, yeah, yeah it, it felt like it, now I needed to take a step out in, in faith and just in obedience and just follow what God wants from me. Yeah, excellent. I, I Sorry to put you on the spot, but I do want to take just a little bit extra time today on this Easter Sunday to not miss out on some facts. Many people know you and many know your story, but many don't. And one of the things that happened over the course of the last year is that you had cancer and that God has kind of worked in your life even in those places and in those, maybe even in spite of that. And uh, I, just, I just think of how much courage you have brought, uh, not, just, not just to your football team, but also to your youth group that uh, has been watching and praying with you as well. Is there anything about that you'd like to say? Well, yeah, I feel like it was just, I don't know, um, I was in a dark time before um, I actually got the diagnosis. I was in, I was struggling with my faith. I was struggling with a lot of things with um, friends, and I was just in a, in a part of the darkest part of my life, and then um, I got the diagnosis and um, that I had stage four cancer, and um, it was, a lot of people were really concerned about me thinking that, like, that would have brought me down even further, but it actually gave me a new perspective on what's really important in life. And just, it, it brought me, it was so hard. It was a struggle. It was a fight every step of the way, but it was, it, it brought me new faith. It strengthened yeah. my faith and my family's faith. Um, that we, we were able to grow closer to each other and God through that. Um, and just being able to rely on God through all of that, we were able to just lean into him for everything because we had, there was nothing we could do. Yeah. It was all up to God at that point. We were, our, even, our doctors and our nurses would come into our room and say, there's, there's a light in this room that isn't in other places. What, what's, what's different about you guys? What, and we were able to share the gospel with all of our nurses and our doctors mm -hmm. and stuff. And we just wanted to be, even, like we wanted to help other people and share with other people. And like they, they were confused how we were not concerned about myself and like how we were not focused on on me through all of that and we were able just to lean into God through all of that and just focus on him so Soren I'm proud of you man I'm excited for you uh, Austin why don't you introduce why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself 
And uh, I know you've received the Lord as your Savior, but maybe you want to highlight that. Uh, my name's Austin Droger. I'm a senior from Maconia High School. Um, you want to explain a little better? Like, yeah, yeah. No, no. I, I put you on the spot, big guy. Uh, so uh, do you remember that when you received Christ as your Savior? I wouldn't say it's one specific time. I kind of grew up around it. Yep. But yep. recently I decided to chase after it and make it my own. Yeah. And Austin, why do you want to be baptized today? I feel like it's the next step and a great opportunity. Brother, I'm proud of you. God bless you. you. Yep. What's your name? Madden Hansen. Madden, do you remember when you asked Jesus into your life? Not really. You've kind of grown up around it. Like your family loves Jesus, mm -hmm. and you've grown up around it. And I've really loved to watch you know, some, at least one of your sisters came and was baptized recently. Why do you want to be baptized? Um, I actually really believe in God, and he is always going to be with me, so I feel like I should do it now because I don't want to do it when I'm older. I just want to get it done. <laughs> That's what faith looks like. Why don't you tell us, introduce yourself. <clears throat> My name is Aiden Borlay, and I'm sixth grade, and uh, yeah. Yep. And Aiden, I know you've received Jesus as your Savior. Uh, what's going on with your arm? <clears throat> I was snowboarding on, uh, like, two weeks ago, and I hit a jump, and I fell backwards, and I landed on it, and just popped it up, and took it to the doctor, got an x-ray, and they told me it was broken, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Aiden, here's, a, here's what I love. You have, a, you have a cast on your hand, and when we were talking earlier, you were kind of like, hey, whatever it takes, I want to be baptized. I want to follow Jesus, and I'll hold my hand up like this if that's what it takes. And I, I just appreciate your faith, man. You ready to follow Jesus even from after this? Yep. All right. <laughs> God bless you. Miss Kate, you also have one of those stories about uh, following the Lord, loving the Lord. You grew up in a family like that. Uh, I know even in our discussion, you were kind of like, uh, I've always loved the Lord, but I, I just, I, I want to take that next step of faith. Is that right? Yeah. I know you're a person of a lot of words, but I want to give you a chance. Is there anything else you want to share today? I don't think so. She threatened my life if I put her on the spot. So God bless you. We're excited for you. All right. Good to see you. Introduce yourself. Uh, I'm Charlie Asperito. You're Charlie. And Charlie, you've asked the Lord into your life as well. And it's your desire to be obedient in believer's baptism. Is there anything else that you want to say today, Charlie? No. All right. Well, that's all right. Hey, they're rooting for you out there. Ash, I just met you, and I'm super excited about what God's doing in you and through you. And um, I don't want to take any of your story away from you because I, th I think your story will bless a lot of people. Would you be willing to share any of it? All right. Go ahead and introduce yourself. So my name is Ash Kent, and um, back in 2017, you know, we reach a certain age, and we're all looking for what's the meaning behind life. So I was struggling with that, and asking God a lot, and my religion was different back then. It was, I was Sikh, and I didn't know anything about Jesus Christ. I wasn't looking for Jesus, and uh, I saw a YouTube video, someone explaining the Bible. 
And then from there, it grew in my heart, and I began reading the Bible. And then I began to realize the Bible's 100% the truth. There's no other truth in the world but the Bible. Amen. And that converted me. Yeah. And I left my religion, and I've just been reading a Bible. And back in 2022, I ended up getting COVID. And I ended up getting pretty severe, where I was in the hospital for three months. I was had a 5% chance to live. And the Lord was with me the whole time. He is the living God. He is Amen. the living, breathing God. He Amen. protects everybody. Yeah. His strength is so strong. Just like the Bible, his burden is light. His yoke is easy to carry. You just trust him. Amen. Amen. Ash, is it your desire to follow the Lord today in believer's baptism? 100%. God bless you, brother. Okay, we have some people who came up today on the spot. You're brave. Praise God. Introduce yourself and tell us what's going on. I'm Tiffany Bastians. This is my mom, Barb. Um, she attends this church, but we've been wanting to get baptized for a long time, and uh, we were just like led. And today's the day. Today's the day. All right. Yeah. Amen. Do you have anything else you want to say? All right, you're ready to be obedient to the Lord and believers' baptism? Awesome. Okay. All right. Let's do this. God bless you. All right. Well, uh, you also came today, and it's your desire to be baptized. Is there anything you want to share? You want to introduce yourself? Sorry, I jumped ahead. It's okay. I apologize. Go ahead and introduce yourself. My name is Rachel. Rachel. And is, is, uh, have you been coming here for a while? No, this is actually the first time I've been to church together. First time you've been to church together. You guys, how brave is that? And how awesome is that? That, yeah, here you are saying, the Lord's moving in my life and I want to be obedient right now. And I recognize we, you jumped up here another time, didn't you? And you're coming with her to support her. Yep, yep, that's awesome. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, that's awesome. All right, awesome. Well, you guys, we're celebrating that. If you can come in close here, we're going to take a picture real quick. And church, if you could give maybe that one, two, three cheese countdown for us, that would be super helpful for us. One, two, three, cheese. All right, we got them. Well, we're going to go backstage and uh, we're going to meet over there. Thank you so much.
Soren, you've received Jesus as your Savior. Is it your desire to follow Jesus in obedience and believer's baptism today? It is. Will you continue to be a disciple of Jesus after today? I will. All right. And I'm going to have you go ahead and finish your meals like that. Hold on to your dress. And in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I baptize you alive in Christ. see him whip his hair around at the end? He said he was going to do that on purpose. I, I don't know why. Way to go, Soren! <laughs> All right. All three, go ahead and have your right hand. As a follower of Jesus, is it your desire to be obedient to him in believer's baptism? All right. Then I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'm going to have you go ahead and finish your meals like that. Son and the Holy Spirit, alive in Christ. Keep them coming, Brian. of faith, I'm going to baptize you in just a moment, but I'm going to have you take your hand like this, other hand, well, you can do it that way, whatever works for you, and you can go ahead and take this one up like that, very good, all right, I'm baptizing you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, dead to sin and death, and alive in Christ. His shirt on the back says, pain is weakness leaving the body. There's got to be a spiritual truth there somewhere. All right. Is it your desire to be obedient to the Lord and believers' baptism today? All right. And I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Death, the sin and death, and the life in Christ. Today. You guys okay with this? <clears throat> Is it your desire to be obedient to the Lord and believers' baptism today? Yes. All right, then I'm going to baptize you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, dead to sin and death, and alive in Christ.
desire to be obedient to him and to be described to you today? Yes, I do. All right. I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Dead to sin and death and alive in Christ. Two ladies want to come in together. That's great. of faith and in obedience to the Lord, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, dead to sin and death, and alive in Christ. still warm, so I'm going to hang out here for a minute, and uh, 